0: Hi, I'm Dan Hornberger, the host of Breaking Chains, the podcast that focuses on the grassroots of disc golf, the amateurs, the local clubs, the individuals who make a difference, and those who have had their lives changed because of the sport. As soon as you talk to Dave Cox, you immediately know you're gonna like him. He's thoughtful, kind, and talented, and lately his talent with the camera has made a lot of disc golfers very happy. He certainly has an eye for composition And when he's in stealth mode, Dave manages to get shots at players without their knowledge. Dave Cox, my guest for this episode of Breaking Chains. Dave Cox, welcome to Breaking Chains.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Dave, before we get into who is Dave Cox, let's let's talk about the current events. Um, how has the COVID nineteen coronavirus affected you?
1: Uh, I'm off work. I've got a lot more free time, I'm taking a lot more pictures of birds and trees these days. I went for a bike ride the other day. That never happens. I'm doing okay.
0: Have you been playing any disc golf?
1: No, no. I'm listening to all the all the warnings. Sounds not safe. Yeah. So tell me.
0: Who's Dave Cox? Which, by the way, is not an easy thing
1: to do for most people. Yeah, no, there's uh, there's not much to say too, sadly. Oh, come on. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll be I'll be forty in July, so I, I can play MA forty this year, which is nice because I'm not. I think I'm finally ready to move up to MA one, but there's too many like fifteen to eighteen year olds that are kicking my butt. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be nice nice to play people my same age even though I have slight advantage because I'm still 39. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah. And I've got a, a brother who plays, Brian. People think we're twins. I don't see it, but I guess people that haven't noticed known us long enough. And then I've got a, a, a younger sister, Stacy. Uh, she wants to play, but she has no free time. She's a nurse. And especially now, she's just oh, boy. not having it. Yeah. You, do you all live close together? Uh, my brother and I live in the same house, and my sister's right up the street. Would Sedgley be your home course? Technically, it's the closest course to my house, but Fort Washington's like another minute away. I've only been out there a handful of times, but my home course is actually Stafford Woods in New Jersey. Oh, okay. How long does it take you to get there? Uh, 40 to 45 minutes plus a toll to get back. When did you start playing disc golf? Uh, that was back in May 2015. We talked about it for a while. I don't know how long. It just kind of came up in conversation a few times. And then one day, my buddy Jeff Morris finally bought a couple of starter packs. I forget which discs were in. Leopard Shark. No, it was it was like the champion player pack. Oh, okay. A, I think Ooh. there was a. It was like high a high end. Yeah, it was like a panther and a. I don't. I don't remember the putter or the driver. Probably ADR. Yeah, and then a Discraft like Pro D player pack. There was like a Avenger SS in that one. That that was my go-to. And where'd you go? We our first course was Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, we took a picture of our first round we took we kept score our first round which is a huge mistake and i think it was all <laughs> in like all c's at the time i don't know what they were set up for but there were nines all over that scorecard <laughs> oh my gosh you started then and obviously you weren't too discouraged you started playing more yeah we we played every weekend because jeff was working i wasn't really working full-time at the time so it was every weekend we would go out and once we realized we don't need to wait for Jeff to get home from work, we can just go every day. My brother and I would <laughs> go all the time. <laughs> and always to Tyler? Uh, no, we, we checked out a few different courses. Uh, Anson, Nixon. We, w- we actually went up to Knock and Mixon pretty early on. Did you start playing in local leagues? And, and did you start entering tournaments? We just played casually for most of that first year. And I think when we were going out to Stafford back then, we saw one of the flyers for the dayglow tournament. And we thought about signing up for it. And we we're like, eh, I don't know if I'm ready for tournaments. And it ended up being, this is like near Christmas, I think. It was 70 degrees that day. And we didn't go. And we are like, oh man, that would have been fun. Uh, we were just nervous about like meeting new people and seeing how bad we really were. We ended up going to the tag kickoff, which was like a couple of weeks later in January. That was the first tournament that I think we played.
0: And I think that's what keeps people away. They're They're nervous about... You know, they don't know how the community is going to be Uh they're, they're a little self-conscious about, you know, throwing discs all over the place. But I think you might agree that there, there's no better community to, to welcome people
1: yeah, in the disc easily. golf community. Easily.
0: Do you remember your first
1: tournament? Yeah. I think it was that, that tag kickoff at Stafford. Oh, uh, that was, that was 20, the first one. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Still friends with some of the, a lot of the people I met out there. There was a, It was part of a series of events in that South Jersey disc golf was running. And each event you played in, depending on how well you did, you got points towards like a series payout at the end of the year. And after how much fun we had at the first one, we were like, we're going to do all these events, right? And that was it. We were committed. What inspired you to start shooting photos at the disc golf events? I I think I've always kind of been a photographer, even though I never like shared any pictures. Like I just with my phone, I'd take like random sunsets, cool clouds, funny bumper stickers, like tile jobs that we did at work, stuff like that. Then once we started going out to courses like Stafford, it's like, well, I have to take pictures of this. It's beautiful. Eventually when we started playing tournaments, I'd take pictures of the people on my card. I was always sneaky about it because I didn't want to be a distraction. And people would I'd post them on Facebook later and people would be like, I never even saw you taking pictures. Like how do you do that? I was so sneaky. (laughs) That just evolved into like, I picked up a better camera. We went out to GBO one year and I was like, I want to be able to zoom in because my phone couldn't zoom. And I had like a legitimate camera. Like at the time it was a Canon T1i, but it had like a real loud shutter. So I was like, this is going to be annoying for other people. So I got a little kind of point and shoot with a big zoom and took it out to GBO, got some cool pictures. And then I started using that at all the events I was playing and realized I can take pictures of people on other cards from far away and like get their faces in the picture instead of always the back of their head. And that kind of like was a turning point. And then finally this year, or I guess last year at uh, the Delaware disc golf challenge, Alyssa Van Lannon was out there. She's like the PDGA contracted pro photographer for all their major events. I was talking to her a little bit and she was giving me some pointers and stuff. That week I went home and I was like, I'm going to get a serious camera for the Stafford Open, which was coming up a few weeks later. And that was the first event Stafford Open where I was specifically going to take pictures of the event and do nothing else. And how'd it go? It went great. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. The weather was perfect. I was still learning the camera at the time. I'd only had it a few weeks. And I was trying to play with all the settings and stuff to get like the, the best pictures I could at the time and also mess with all the features i had bought the camera for like the slow mo and everything what did you get what was the camera it's a sony rx10 mark 4 it's like okay. the, the most expensive point and shoot camera like you can't you can't change the lens it just has a big zoom range but it's all bells and whistles it's it's like a it's like a high end pickup truck but it's not a sports car
0: and that's what you're still using now yeah Cause, because you're shooting video with it,
1: right? yeah it's it's getting the job done it's, it's great. Have you turned this into a business or are you planning to do so? Uh, it, it'd be awesome if I could. I've been waiting because I started taking pictures in September, like the leaves were starting to fall off the trees. I've been waiting for stuff to get greener again so I could take pictures that could maybe be turned into prints or calendars or stuff like that that I could maybe sell at tournaments or offer as like CTP prizes or trophies or whatever.
0: I'll tell you what, you you took some really great photos on New Year's Day at Sedgley and just today I think you put up a compilation of video you shot and there weren't
1: any leaves on New Year's Day and I think it looks great. Like if the sun is behind the person that's throwing and it like gives them that silver lining, that's my favorite. And I think I get more of that without the leaves on the trees, but I can't wait for it to be green.
0: Breaking Chains is to grow the sport by presenting fellow disc golfers who have inspirational stories. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, send an email to either breakingchainsdg at gmail.com or rockfishproductions at gmail.com. If you'd like to contribute to Breaking Chains, simply go to the show site, www.rockfishproductions.com and click on the red button at the bottom of the page. This episode's guest is Dave Cox. In the episode's second half, Dave talks about returning to Philadelphia's Sedgley Woods and his approach to disc golf photography. This is Breaking Chains. I recently saw a Facebook post of yours where you stated that you just recently
1: went back to Sedgley Woods. What had kept you away? We went real early on when we started playing and because it was our closest course and it was always so packed on the weekends and we went I think we went on a tags day and someone said oh go over to hole one we're playing like 10 through 27 and we go over and there's a line probably 30 people waiting in line to tee off on hole one. We looked up, I guess it was disc golf course review at the time and said like, what else is around? And that's when we headed out to Stafford for the first time. It was just ranked, I think, top 50. The the guys over there put in work just about every day and it's always beautiful.
0: No, I, I know you were at Sedgley on New Year's Day. Did you, did you plan on going there to play or were you there strictly to, to take photos?
1: No, I, I wasn't going to play mob golf with that many people. It's, it's too slow. I just wanted to take pictures. Honestly, it was your podcast that inspired me to go. You and Mike Salt were talking about it. It just sounded crazy, and I had to like document it, see what it was like. Yeah, I had actually played mob golf a few nights prior to John's Productions, which is John Berkram and John McGinley. They run a four-tournament day up at Rutgers. And Rutgers is such a short course, you can blow through a round in about an hour and a half with four people. and. The fourth round is at night with everyone that wants to show up and you just play through the course at night. There's enough lights. You don't even need to put glow tape on. It's fun, but it's uh, you're not there for the golf. After you shoot the photos, are you putting them through Lightroom or Photoshop or? No, uh, none of that. It's it's all it's quantity over quality for me right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> But they're, I don't know. They're, they're looking pretty good right out of the camera. Yeah, they are. Yeah. The amount of pictures that I take and the, the amount of good ones I go through Like I, I kind of whittle them down. I pick out like whatever it is, maybe two, 300 good pictures. I start deleting the ones that aren't great and I get tired of deleting pictures and I'm like, all right, that's the album. Just throw them on Facebook and then I'll start tagging people. What's been the most challenging part of this, this foray into photography? Honestly, I think it was just biting the bullet to like buy an expensive camera because I like, you don't want to do baby steps with cameras spend like $200 this year, 400 the next year, 800. Like when's that going to stop?
0: Yeah. Then, then you start getting into the lenses and
1: yeah, that, yeah, that was, I kind of set like three parameters. I wanted uh silent and then zoom with slow-mo because I used to do the slow-mo on my phone, but I couldn't zoom and right. just all in one like portability. And it's funny, like it's still a big, heavy camera. So I took out, all the discs that I'd never really threw, like, you know, in your bag, you probably have five discs never throw. I I got rid of all that and I just was carrying six discs and the camera weighs as much as seven discs. It's funny though, my game has improved since then. I know exactly what each of those discs is doing. And I've caddied for people, I won't name names, but it feels like I'm wearing 30 discs on my back and you only ever see the same four. What have, have been some unexpected aspects, good or bad, about, about shooting photography? I'm getting a lot of like lately uh free tournament entries, which is nice. Based on the savings from that, um I might I might break even on the camera in a couple of years. <laughs> you can you kind of get like a front row seat and like a free pass to be anywhere on the course, which is cool. People are always like, "Oh, you having fun out here?" I'm always having fun.
0: Have most players been receptive to you shooting?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's crazy. Like you're sneaking around in the woods like stealing these moments from people and they love it when you put it on Facebook. I actually made a post the other day, like, if anyone has a picture I've posted that they don't want up on Facebook, just let me know. No questions asked. I'll delete it. And I think I've only taken down three pictures out of thousands I've posted. So, have you been experimenting with different different spots on each hole? Kind of. I'm I'm like really going after this shot. I've got a couple times with the slow mo where I want to be far enough off the tee. That I zoom all the way in because then you get like the blurry background, which looks cool. And I want I want to be right in the line of fire, like way out, like 150 feet out so I can get out of the way where like the disc is coming straight at me. It looks so cool. And usually by the time it reaches me, it's already fading or I can duck out of the way. But while I'm sitting there, like I'm totally still, but I want to be like right in that spot where people are throwing straight at me.
0: Dave, I really hate to tell you this, but I, I think more camera Equipment is in your future
1: <laughs> people have told me I need to start like recording rounds and do what what Gatekeeper did now that they've gone full time to cover to cover more of the local scene and i thought about it, but i don't know what I'm doing is more like a, a gorilla style. just run around the course wherever, get whatever looks cool whenever there's no like format to it. I don't have to like get every single shot, which is nice are any plans to to cover a major tour or I'd love to do majors or like NT pro tour stuff. That's uh, I think Alyssa has like a contract for that and that is actually paid for by the PDGA, but I was planning on going to GBO not to like shoot the pros, but like uh, I'd play all the little C tiers and the A tier, but then usually you finish your day and you have time to go see the lead cards play in the last few holes just to get some pictures of pros. But, uh, that's all off. Dave, you you had gone out to GBO before, right? Yeah, this would have been my fourth year. I'm so envious. Yeah, that was like our, our one big thing every year. And we would drive out, which was crazy. But how how cool would it be just to take a a photo catalog
0: of just some creative photos of that event? Yeah. And not just the golf, but like what goes on in Emporia.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: What a great, what a great project that would be.
1: And last year they had uh, they did this Raz round, which was like you could crowd around the tee pad, and it was like this tunnel of people. Like I would never want to be that close to Paul McBeth just crushing a drive, but the pictures of it, like I got a few with my little dinky camera back then, it was really cool. The other event I was planning on uh, doing the Delaware Disc Golf Challenge because that's close. Iron Hills only 40 minutes from my house, and usually my brother and I would go down and we'd do the live scoring. For U-Disc. Oh, yeah. And I would also caddy for like one of the ladies. Like last year, I caddied for Becky Harris. And uh, we we would live score on whatever card we were caddying on. You take like a quick lunch break and go back out and live score for one of the MPO cards. And usually because of the pacing and tee times, you would get a card pretty high up in the order. So it might be like third card down. And last year, I finally did lead card on the final day. You can see me on the Jomez footage a couple times. You you weren't doing this during AmWorlds. I think you said you started this basically in September, right? I was at AmWorlds. I had my little camera. I took a ton of pictures. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, what a, what an event that is. Yeah, I had actually gone to AmWorlds the year before. I think it was in Charlotte, and I had Lyme disease at the time and didn't know it. No, I did a like a twenty one day regimen of doxycycline or whatever it is, and yeah, I've been fine since. What do you love most about the game, Dave? Like I got to say, like the people. The community is awesome. Before disc golf, it was like I had a real small group of friends, and now I feel like it's a huge group. But when I'm playing, I love the creativity that it offers. Like I see the basket down there, I'm on the tee pad, and there's like a set rule book that's real thin, and I can do whatever I want to get from the tee to the basket, and that's where I have the most fun.
0: Yeah, I think you're, you're making a name for yourself, and uh, I think if you keep at it,
1: you, you might be you might be in the business. I'm trying. People have said, keep doing it, and people will contact you for what they want, and then you just set the price. Yeah, you might have to start an LLC. I, I, yeah, I got to look into that, because right now it's just for fun, and I'm having a ton of fun doing it. But it is it is a lot of hours, but, I mean, it's not work.
0: That, my friends, is the signal for the rapid-fire round. To conclude each episode of Breaking Chains, I'll fire random questions at my guests. Some of the questions will be disc golf-related, others, not so much. Okay, Dave, here we go. You arrive at the course and it suddenly begins to rain and there are 35-mile-per-hour wind gusts. Do you play anyway or drive
1: home? If it's a tournament, I'm playing. If it's casual, there's no way. What's the first disc you bought? Uh, For me, it was the MVP Anode in Soft Eclipse Plastic. I just loved the fact that it was like an overmold with glow in the dark. I was like, this doesn't look like anything else out there. Looks cool. I'm going to try it. And I'm still sticking with it. Favorite cereal when you were a kid? I mean, we didn't have a lot of cereal at our house growing up, but whenever we went to my aunt's house, she always was stocked up with like Lucky Charms. Would probably be my go-to. If you could play 18 with any pro, male or female who would it be? Hi, Michael Johansson. He just seems like a cool dude. Name of your first pet. That was, uh, we had two cats growing up, butterscotch and milkshake.
0: Have you ever screwed up on the score on a scorecard?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll add them up real quick after a round and ask people to double check and they've caught some errors, but usually before there's a penalty. Favorite restaurant? There's a little local breakfast place near us called Sabrina's Cafe. They make this stuffed French toast that's, it's so good.
0: Favorite brand of disc golf shoes?
1: Uh, it's been the Merrill Moabs, I think, since I've been playing. Just some basic trail running shoes. They're comfortable. They fit. For a one disc round, which disc do you choose? <laughs> That's the Zephyr, DX Zephyr from Innova. And it, it always it always like gets a response when people walk past it laying on the ground. I'm like, what is that? Is that legal? Best course you ever played and why? Uh, it's got to be Clovercliff Ranch in out in kansas it's uh it's kind of like brandywine down in delaware but like way in the future when all the rock walls have like been knocked down and kind of eroded away and you'd think kansas would be like bored flat but it's got all this terrain in the middle of kansas it's down in this little ravine there's big bomber shots plenty of roller opportunities and it's just beautiful and tons of fun
0: dave cox thanks so much for being a guest on the show
1: well, thanks for having the show. It's, it's awesome. It's been fun to listen to.
0: That wraps up this episode of Breaking Chains. A big thanks to Dave Cox. You can find out more about Dave on the show's website, www.rockfishproductions.com. Kevin McLeod wrote and performed the show's theme, Unwritten Return, and Big Rock. The music at the break, Positive Indie Folk, was written and performed by Azov Music. This podcast is copyrighted by Rockfish Productions, LLC.